0: Welcome to the New Life Baptist Podcast. Our mission is to love the Great Commandment, live the Great Commission, and lead one more to Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you are encouraged today as we dive into God's Word. Amen. As we continue to worship this morning, let me invite you, let's take the Word of God. Open the Word of God and turn in the Word of God to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4 today, we've been walking through the Word of God, through the Gospel of Mark, and here we are in Mark chapter 4 and coming to a series that Jesus will introduce to us in parables. In parables, you hear the word parables, and, and we understand what parables are, but a parable, if we don't understand it, it's very easy for us to understand because a parable is easily understood as a parallel. And what do you mean by a parable being a parallel? Well, that means this, it is to compare something to something else. That's all a parable is. Jesus is using an illustration. He's using a comparison. He's using something to lay something beside something else to teach us spiritual truth. And so Jesus was teaching spiritual truth always to those that he was reaching. And to help us understand that spiritual truth, he used something familiar that compares to it to help the unfamiliar spiritual truth become understandable. That is the purpose of his parables was to teach us spiritual truth by using something familiar so that the unfamiliar can become understandable. And in this specific set of parables that we're going to read in Mark chapter 4 today, Jesus, he's going to go to great lengths to describe the conditions of our heart. It's going after our hearts this morning because it's not about external obedience, it's not about behavior modification. It is truly the gospel is about soul transformation. Change on the inside out. And so this is going to be a parable about a sower. It's going to be a parable about a seed. But more than it is about the sower and the seed, because those are good and those are right, this is a parable about the soil. And how each of us have the responsibility to respond to the seed of the gospel. We have a responsibility to respond to the truth of the gospel. And we can see how we all have the opportunity to respond even here today. So Mark chapter 4, let's stand for the reading of God's word, if you will, with me. We're going to start in verse 1, read the first 13 verses, and then we're going to walk through a lot of text here today. It says, again, again, he began to teach, and where did he teach? Beside the sea, and a very large crowd, the, the crowds had just only grown since the beginning of his ministry, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that what? He got into a boat and sat on it in the sea. All right, sat in the boat on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And so they've gathered in such a way that he's had to retreat to kind of a, a different venue. I, I need a place where everyone can hear, everyone can see. And he was teaching them, what, many things and parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed, and some seed, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds, they came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell along thorns, and those thorns, they grew up and choked it, and they yielded it no grain. And other seeds, they fell into good soil, and it produced grain, growing up and increasing Yielding thirty-fold and sixty-fold and a hundredfold, kind of unheard of crops. And he said, "He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, "To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So why? so that they may indeed see, But not perceive, and they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. The parables were a judgment, a judgment on those who truly wanted to know, who truly wanted to seek and find, they would truly understand because they would turn, they would repent, they would believe. But for those who didn't want to hear, for those who didn't want to know, for those who did not seek, it would be a judgment that they would never know. They would never understand. It would never make sense to them because they had no desire. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? This is the word of God. Let's pray and ask God to make it known and plain and clear to us as we submit and surrender to his authority over us. Father, we come before you and thank you that Jesus, you have come all the way to us. You revealed your truth your plan and purpose of salvation to us, and now we cling to, Lord, your promises that we can walk in a way that would please you. Father, I pray right now that you will, by your spirit, use the word of God to teach us how to do the will of God and to walk in the ways of God, or may we have ears to hear, and may we hear this morning, so speak, Lord Jesus, for your servant is listening. In Christ's name that we pray, and God's church says today, Amen. Amen. As you find your seat and open your Mark Scripture journals, if you got those at the beginning, or just use the backside of our worship guide here today, we're going to plug in some things as we walk together through the Word and kind of see what the secret of the seed, the secret of the soil is all about. And so we're going to see two things, especially in this text, that are be very, very clear for us, two things that are going to stand out in this illustration, in this parable of the sower, this parable of the seed and this parable of the The soil, And here's the very first one. We see very clear that you and I, in response to the gospel, we have to set the soil. All right, you and I, in response to the gospel, we have to set the soil. We saw in the first couple of verses, the crowds keep coming, right? They keep coming and they keep coming and he keeps finding new places to teach The house he was at was no longer teachable. The crowds were gathering in such a way, it says, in Mark 3, they could not even eat a meal together. And so he's come out of the house, and now he's teaching in the in this hillsides there, and he's now teaching on a boat on the sea, and he, he keeps teaching them the word of God. And as he teaches the crowds, he's teaching them about something they would all understand, Soil. That was a farming community, a farming village, a farming town. They would understand this and they would teach that he says a farmer goes out and that farmer scatters the seed. And the seed falls in various places and receives various responses. That's what we see with the soil. But what we know to be true is the growth of the seed had everything to do with the soil in which it landed. The growth of the seed had everything to do with the soil in which the seed landed. And we see kind of four different responses. Some, in verse 4, seeds landed on the path. All right, The path, that, that would essentially be for us a, a walkway. It would be concrete in our time. It would be a sidewalk on how they traveled from village to village. It would be a path that was made in the ground. And, and when the path was there, it was too dry. It was too hard to even receive the seed. So the path was no good. Other seeds, he said in verse 5 and 6, landed on the rocky soil. The rocky soil had fertile topsoil, right? But, but that shows initial signs of great potential, right? You're going to see that happen, but it was shallow. There was bedrock very quickly underneath the topsoil, and that prevented the seed from going into the ground and taking possible roots. So there was no roots. Everything shot up at first, but nothing went down deep. It was superficial, superficial growth that was not sustainable. Then more seeds fell on, it says in verse 7, the thorns or the weeds. And it was deceptive soil because at first it has the appearance of life, has the appearance of growth. But the weeds and the thorns begin to squeeze out the actual life and the promise and potential of the seed. And then there's a fourth way. Finally, other seeds in verse 8 land on the good soil. The good soil is fertile. It's deep. It's soft. It's receivable, it's ready, it's been already tilled, it's in surrender, and the seed makes its way into this soil, finds nourishment, finds a home, it finds a place to grow, and it grows as the promise of the kingdom in more ways than the expected harvest, a better way than you ever thought possible. And so while every different soil receives the seed in a very different way, we're gonna see something very clear as we continue on in the text in verse 14, the responsibility for the sower Remains the same. It goes on in verse 14 the sower sows the word, the word of God, the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, the story of a Savior who has come to save sinners. That is what the sower sows. We scatter the gospel, and there's no description of the sower. There's no description really about the seed besides it's the word. Those things are very clear. The sower is every believer fulfilling their calling to share the gospel and the seed is the story or the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no question about those things that the sower is the good teacher, the perfect teacher. He's sowing seed right now and as we carry out his mission, the great commission, we are now the sowers who scatter the seed and we have the seed. Those things are right. Those things are good. Those things are clear. What's not clear And what is various and what is determined by response is the soil. That is what is the question mark. And so we know we all share, we all sow Christ, we all preach. But the soils, again, represent the condition of every human heart. What do you mean by that? Well, Jesus goes on to explain this parable because he goes on in verse 15 and he says, some people, they've hardened their heart. Some people have completely been unresponsive to the gospel. They have outright rejected Jesus. It says in verse 15, and these these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes the word that is sown in them. When you sit here and you read the word of God, and you sit under the teaching of the word of God, and you reject, You give Satan every right to come and take it away. When you say, no, I don't want to hear that truth. I want to stay in my sin. No, God, I don't think your truth is right because culture says this. No, God, you're you're too old fashioned for me. This is not the way it is anymore. Things have changed. When you reject and you are unresponsive and you willingly unmoved towards God when the word of God is preached to you, you are essentially saying, Satan, here, take it away. I want nothing to do with Jesus. That is the seed that is sown upon the path. When you have nothing and no desire and no want to, you've been exposed, but you've never experienced Jesus. You've heard it. It's been laid before you. It's been scattered on you. But no, I don't want to respond to that. That's the very first soil. Other people, though. Other people go on. It says in verse 16, and these are the ones. These are the ones, it says, sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy and they have no root though in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation, not if, but when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, on your living for the things of God or trying to, immediately, it says, they fall away. These are people who expect experience the gospel and they respond really at first excited oh man I'm all in I love what God's doing in my life it's quick it's excited but it's superficial it's shallow and it's not sustainable why because there's no depth there's no root I mean you you, you can only allow the things of God to take root in your life for there to be possible growth and these are people who don't go any deeper beyond the surface I've got motions down, I've got baptism down, I've got church membership down, and, and I've got Sunday church down, and that's as far as I'm going to go. Right? I'm not going beyond that. Don't let me go any deeper than that. This is the people who have response that is temporary. False converts who would respond emotionally. They don't count the cost of what it takes to build the building. Right? They've never had genuine repentance in John chapter 6, Jesus is preaching, and, and he's just fed over 5,000 men and, and most likely 20,000 people with women and children gathered. He feeds all these people. And at the very end of his sermon in John 6, there's 12 people left. And, 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 and they're like, where'd everyone go? And, and Jesus says, Peter, are you guys going to walk away too? I've got nobody left but you guys. Are y'all going to walk away too? And so because the teachings, they said it's too hard. We can't follow that. We can't obey you in that. We can't go after that. And, but when Peter responds, says, where else are we going to go? You've got the words of eternal life. You've got the truth. It's gone deep in us. We want to commit our lives to you. And so people who have the rocky soil, they believe, but it's cheap. It doesn't cost anything. It's just only when it's convenient. It's only when it works on your schedule and it works for your lifestyle. And it's always full of compromise. I believe, but only to a limit. And it lacks repentance. It lacks roots, and it lacks truly salvation. There's a person that is not saved. This person says, God's word doesn't work. I've tried it. I've not seen it work. I've tried listening to it. I tried reading to it, but I can't get anything out of it. If you have a response like that to the word of God when you read it or when it's taught, I promise there's nothing wrong with the word. It's all about the soil. Right? It's about you. If I can sit in the Word of God and I can read the Word of God and it doesn't begin to convict me or change me, I'm the problem, not God. Right? I want you to understand that. I'm in disobedience. I've hardened my heart. I'm reading for things I want to read for instead of just trusting and hearing the one who's spoken. And so understand there, this is about the the, the soil that needs to be fixed and, and tilled and toiled and not about the seed. The seed is good. There's a third way. In verse 18 and 19, some people hear, but man, boy, are they distracted. It says in verse 18, Others, they are the ones sown among the thorns or sown, again, among the weeds. They are those who hear the word, but the cares, the desires of the world, the deceitfulness of wanting riches and and the desires for other things, wanting to have it all, they enter in and they begin to choke out the word until it proves unfruitful. And this is the person who wants Jesus, who wants salvation who wants to, to look the part, but still wants everything the world has to offer, right? What a terrible place to be of trying to live in, in both places at the same time, right? That's exhausting. Uh, I'm trying to live for the God, but man, this world is so good, I love it. I want everything there is in it. I need all the things that we can get. And so this person's truly divided and, and, and a divided household will not stand. And so this person wants it all. They want both worlds, but it's impossible. You can't live like Jesus and love this world and, and, and please God and at the same time. First John, he would say friendship with the world is enmity with God, right? You can't love this world and love the desires of this world and love the desires of your flesh and somehow please God at the same time, right? You cannot do it, it is impossible because here's the truth. The Bible does not promise to give you what your sinful heart wanted before you came to Jesus. Pre-conversion, you had desires. Pre-conversion, in your sin, you were blind and, and you had a desire for this world. You craved your flesh and you did whatever your flesh wanted, right? But when you became a new creation, you were born again. And now you desire the things of God, right? Your desires, your want to has changed. I no longer want the things of God or the world. I want the things of God. I don't want my sin. I don't want that shame. I don't want that guilt, Right? I want the blessings and the promise of God, but I want it his way, not mine. Right? I want it his way, not mine. There's nothing wrong with God's blessings. All right? Don't hear me say that, but it's always wrong when you do it your way instead of his. Right? That's the person who has to come and chase the desires of God in Christ alone. Right? You cannot have those things coexist. And so weeds and the seed cannot coexist. Y'all notice about weeds, right? You never have to water them and they always grow right, weeds, I don't have to water my weeds. They just pop up. They're always there. And that's the problem with sin. And the problem with desire is that it's always fighting against. That's what Galatians says, that your flesh and your spirit will be at battle. right, that you will always be at battle with your flesh and your your new nature in Christ. And so we see that a true conversion for Christ, it comes in a desire for Christ alone. I'm going to pick on something really fast because it needs to, to be understood for us. This is why the prosperity gospel is false gospel. When you hear someone preach about promotions and about how God just wants to lead you to your destiny and about how, hey, God's just waiting for that door for you to get that thing that you've always wanted, all right, that, that's not of the word of God, right? That's of the desire of man, right? God leads you into his goodness. He leads you into his provision. And yes, he will give you the desires of your heart, but only according to his word and his will, Right? God does not say, Yeah, you wanted this big thing before you got saved. That's exactly what I wanted for you too. No. You had a twisted will, right? A twisted desire. He has changed you. You're a new creation. I don't want the gifts. I want the giver. Right? I don't want the blessings. I want the blesser. Right? And Cody said this we don't want the healing. We want the healer. Right? We don't need these things. We need him. That's the rocky soil. But there's a right soil. And it's a right soil in verse 20. And it says this, but those that were sown on the good, good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 fold and 60 fold and 100 fold. The right soil is a soil in surrender. The right soil is a soil in submission. The right soil says what? I want the seed of salvation. I want the fruit of sanctification And God, I want you to lord and rule and reign my life, right? The whole field is yours, God. That's what the good soil says. The whole field is yours. Plant where you want to plant, plant whatever you want to plant, and plant it in my life so it goes down deep and takes root and takes over, right? This is not my field anymore, right? That's the good soil. When you have soil that that is workable, when you have soil that is good, it's fertile, that is soil where you can do something with, Right? That is soil that works with you. And so often we want to work against the seed. We want to work against the work. But good soil, so it says, hey, you can have the whole thing. God, this is not my field anymore because I've been purchased at a cost. I've been purchased with a price. I've been purchased by the blood shed of Jesus Christ. I've been purchased by his body that was yours. So I'm all yours. And here's what I promise you. Here's what the word of God promises. When you respond to the things of God, the work of God, the will of God and the word of God, you will patiently and surrender, persevere in his planting. The results of what God does in your life are supernatural. See that it says it will be fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100 times over. I, I would dare to say that anyone in this room, especially any farmers in this room, you've never had a 100-fold crop. Right? You've never seen, wow, I planted a seed, and I've got 100 times the profit that I, that I initially started with. That usually does not happen. But with the Word of God, when you are submitting to his work and his will, the results of what God can do are unlimited. God can use you in ways you never thought possible. God can bless you in ways that you never dreamed of. And God will take you, your testimony, his work in your life, and use you to the things that you could never even dream of. That is what the work of God does when you are a field in surrender. So there's got to be a submission. There's got to be a surrender. And the results are always, when it's done by the good sower, it's always supernatural. So here's two quick points of application here I want you to see as we think about this. Because the question becomes this, how am I responding today? What kind of soil are you? Are you like, that sounds good, but no, 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 I'm, I'm not down with that. You are you're, you're would be the hard soil, right? Yeah, that's all right. I may take that and run with it, but we'll see. I'm, you know, it's hunting season. I may not make it that far. You, you know, it'd be the rocky soil. How, how are you going to run with this? And so I see here for us, we need to apply two things. That First of all, know this. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to make us like the Son of God. All right? the Spirit of God uses the word of God to make us like the son of God, right? This is all about the soil, but it's all about the seed being driven deep into the soil to take root. And so I want a God-sized harvest in my life. I don't know about you, but I want a God-sized harvest. I want to see God do God-sized things in my life. But the only way that's possible is in submission, surrender, and obedience to his word, only through the seed, right? Obedience to the word of God is absolutely necessary for any true transformation to take place. You will never be changed apart from the word of God. It will not happen. You'll behavior modify, you'll change some, some habits, but you'll never be truly changed apart from the work of the word of God. And that growth will take time. Our notice is a seed. The gospel comes to us in seed form. You you may not have this amazing experience tomorrow, but over time, you're going to see what God has done through your perseverance, through your patience. It's a farming illustration, so spiritual growth takes perseverance. And here's the second thing I want you to see very clearly in this soil. Everything that God wants to do in your life has already been placed there if you have received the seed. Everything that God wants to do in your life is right here. All right, there's not a second blessing that you need to find. There's not some secret to the faith that you need to find. Everything that God wants to do is going to start with the seed. And then he grows. He sanctifies. He purifies. He washes you in the word, right? This is where it begins. This is the beginning point, but it's also the journey. All right, this is where we start with God and he takes over in the skies, the limits. The results are unending of what God can do and change in your life. A lot of times we're looking to change our lives and fix our lives and looking for something to give our lives meaning, and it's all right here in Christ alone, right? So we gotta set the soil, and then here's the second part that we're gonna see very quickly. We're also called church to scatter the seed. All right, we set the soil. That's gonna be our first response here today, and then we're called to scatter the seed. It goes on in verse 21. All right, in verse 21, we're going to look at two more little parables here and and apply those to our walk with God. It says, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear a second time, let him hear And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use that we measure to you. And still more will be added to you for to the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And then he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and he rises night and day and the seed sprouts and it grows and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, it's automatic, and then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, big picture church family, this is a comprehensive plan for biblical evangelism. What do you mean by that? Well, we've got the soils and now we've got the seed and we've got the sower. This shows us how to hear the gospel how to respond to the gospel, and then how to share the gospel. Because the first thing that you see when we walk in the door of our church building, the greatest spiritual responsibility that we have is to fulfill that great commission. That is our greatest spiritual responsibility, is to go share the word of God in Matthew 28 and to have our calling as his witnesses in Acts one 8 We are the ones who go. right? That's what we do. And the primary way that we understand God's plan for effective Evangelism is simple. You are not the reason for anyone's salvation, but you are the resource in which God uses. All right, effective evangelism, you need to understand this. You are not the reason that anyone ever gets saved, but you are the resource that God chooses to use. You are the resource that God wants to use. And I love that because that puts all the weight and the results on God. All the weight and the results on him, which is right. Because if I take all the credit for the response of man, then I take all the glory too. I'm like, man, look what God's done through me. Wow, look at me, right? I didn't know I could do those things. Imagine if I had two hands, what else I could do, right? There's amazing things that we could think of. But I promise, it ain't me. And I promise, it ain't you, right? It is not us, but it is our responsibility to preach. Now, here's what we're gonna see here. We are not the power of salvation, but we possess salvation and we project salvation. Right? We're not the power of salvation, but we possess salvation, we project salvation. That's what the lamp is under a basket. We possess the light. Right? We are the light of the world, we have the light of the world, and you don't cover up a light, that's silly. You don't put it under a basket, you definitely don't put a lamp under a bed. If you have a lamp under your bed, you're crazy, All right. so we don't do those things. You put it out where everyone can see it. It's to illuminate the room. It's to shine in the darkness. It is God's responsibility to save, but it is your responsibility to shine. right? You are the lamp that shines. That's our obedience. And if you hide it, it says in the word of God, you misuse it. If you hide the light, if you conceal the light, if you cover the light, if you put it under, if you hide it under a basket, you are misusing. You're abusing you're taking for granted the, the giftingness and the obedience that God has for you. Your, your usefulness and your kingdom impact is all determined by what? Your obedience. By your obedience to to, do, to go and to, to shine. And so you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. That's in 1 Corinthians. So your kingdom usefulness, your eternal reward is in direct proportion to your obedience. But then here's the second thing. You can't change the soil. But you can cast the seed you can't change this oil, but you can cast the seed. I love verse 26 and he said the kingdom of God as this of man should scatter seed on the ground he sleeps he rises night and day the seed sprouts and grows he knows not how isn't it amazing you remember when you were a kid and you had that bean right that bean in that little dixie cup all right that was my childhood and In class, we'd get some soil, and and we'd put a little bean in the Dixie cup, and then one day we'd come back to school, and all of a sudden there's a sprout, right? And you're like, well, how did that happen? I went home, I went to sleep, I came back, and there's growth, right? This is amazing, and so you're learning about fertilization, you're learning about growth, you're learning it all there, but you also learn you had nothing to do with the growth, right, you went home, and you went to sleep, and then somehow the rest of it went into work, it was automatic. Because here's the temptation. The temptation for us is to think that we actually have something to do with it. That we actually have something to do with with this work that God has. That somehow the power of the gospel and the power of God to transform lives, like it somehow depends on me. right? That God, if I'm not the pastor of this church, this church is going to fall apart. That God, if I don't preach, if I'm not the only one preaching, that that no one's ever going to get saved. Right, if I'm not the one being used, then then no one can be used, right? We tend to think that we are responsible for the growth. But the bottom line is, I have no power over the heart of man. You have no power. When you evangelize and you witness, you have no power over the heart of man. The power for the seed to grow is not in man. We can't make someone believe. We can't make someone follow Jesus. As much as I want to persuade you, as much as I want the Holy Spirit to convict you, I'm praying for that. But it ain't because of me, it's because of him. It's because of the work that he does. And so the power of the seed is is in the gospel, and that can't grow from me. It can only grow in him. I can't produce spiritual change. I can't manipulate spiritual change. I, I can't put on a performance for spiritual change. I can't give life to the dead. I can't give ears to the deaf. I can't give eyes to the blind. There's nothing that I can do, but I can sow the seed. And that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what you are supposed to do. That's what we're all supposed to do. We are called to scatter the seed. And the wonder of the gospel is that you can take the story of Christ, go to sleep, and transformation grows independently of you. Isn't that amazing? That I can do this today. I can share the gospel with you guys, tell you what it means to be saved in Jesus, and I can go home and I go to sleep. Right? I don't have to like, to to, to do all these things, like, hey, have you believed yet? Have you believed yet? Have you believed yet? I planted, and it's God's job to save. That's what God does. He takes care of the rest. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul would line out about his ministry and Apollos' ministry, and he would say this, that I planted Apollos. He watered, but God gave the growth. I cannot make you follow Jesus, but I can tell you how. I can plant the seed. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. I'm nothing but only God who gives the growth. We worship the Lord of the harvest, right? And so, church, let me, let me make that very clear for us. The only human act in all of this is that we share the gospel, that we sow the seed. The success of the gospel is not dependent on our power. It's not dependent on our strategy. It's not dependent on our giftings or our services. That, that's not where the power is. That's why we're passionate about expository preaching. So we're passionate about preaching the word of God and, and, and through the word of God alone, through text-driven preaching, because we cannot impress you into the kingdom of God. I cannot entertain you into the kingdom of God. Right? You can go find a, a more entertaining pastor. I promise you that. and he, He'll have two hands, so that's even better for you. But the only thing that matters here is that the word of God has the power to change your life. James 1.21, James 1.21 makes sure that we have to install the word, right? Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with humility, with meekness, the implanted word, right? Receiving the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And so here's where we're gonna go this morning. Where do you need to respond? To the seed of the gospel of jesus christ because we have all kinds of different responses there and i think that's pretty comprehensive jesus says if you don't understand this you don't understand anything so you need to understand this that you have a responsibility to respond to the gospel of jesus christ right now are you going to harden your heart you're going to say nope satan take it away i don't want anything to do with god you're going to receive it real quick and and be excited but Take no root and don't go any further. Just stop at the starting point and say, I'm good. I've I've prayed the magical prayer. I'm just going to stay right here at ground level. There's no salvation in that. Or are you going to like, hey, I want it, but you know what? I, I want the compromise of it too. So God, come alongside of me, join my life, but don't take over my life. There's no salvation in that. The only way that you can truly be saved is when you repent of your sin, believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life, And then come all the way to him and say, I'm all yours. Take the whole field. (laughs) Take the whole thing. Plant whatever you want to plant. Plant wherever you want to plant. I'm all yours. Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner and you are the Savior. And so I want to challenge us this morning to, to understand this is why we're still here. This is why we still go because we are still sent. Because people still need to hear. They need to hear the good news. And so we're all responding right now. And to not respond is to respond. So how are we going to respond to the good news of the gospel? See, I want to challenge you, church, right now. As William Carey would say, he's one of the fathers of the modern missionary movement. William Carey would say this, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. And we're here expecting. I'm expecting great things from God right now. I'm expecting God to do a harvest. I I preach with that anticipation that, that, God, I'm going to see you work. Not because of me, because of your word. I'm going to see your seed plant and take over someone's life. I'm expecting great things from God. But I'm also attempting great things for God. as I'm willing to tell you the truth about God and his word. And I'm willing to go out and live it. And I'm willing to go out and share it. And we all need to take that on as a church that we are called to go. And so today, if you're saved, when you leave here today, you're sent. It's time for us to go. We thank you for listening. Be sure to click the subscribe button on this podcast so you don't miss out on any and all of our future content. We pray you were encouraged by the word of God today. If you feel that the Lord is leading you to make a decision or have questions, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website at newlifebaptist.faith.